podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello guys, here's another ATP Weekly, me and Mario. Today we're without a producer, so you're going to have to look at our faces quite a lot. But anyway, it's just going to be the usual. Uh, we once again have three events, of course, to talk about. Uh, and we probably should start with the biggest one, like Rotterdam ATP 500, where Yannick Sinner picked up another title, unbeaten for the year, 2,500 points. 200. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, just absolutely insane, honestly. And and uh, Mario, you know, what do you think about his first event, which sometimes is like a big deal for players, right? Like sometimes they win the first major title or, I don't know, make a breakthrough of any sorts. And then it's not easy to follow it up. Whereas Sinner in Rotterdam, uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that uh, it, it's been quite impressive because uh, I feel like he 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 hasn't been you know as flawless as he was in australia uh, or or even at the end of last year he he had patches where he played great that's for sure but um you know he just wasn't that brilliant in my opinion watching his matches he he was just you know solid enough and yeah maybe um i feel like also you know the opposition was also quite good because, yeah, maybe not the, the very top three, four guys on the tour, but facing uh, Deminor, especially the way he started this year, even though we knew about their head-to-head and probably this one is has also been one of the uh, of the toughest for, for him in the rivalry, which now is seven love, but lost a set against Bonfils, but he never really was you know close to uh, even thinking about losing losing the match at least you know that was my perspective and you know, even after losing the second set right after he goes up three love in in the third set yeah that match against raonic probably was uh, you know f- for um as long as it has been played was probably the the toughest even you know uh, because after getting the, that early break, um, you know, Sinner kind of had some some doubts and wasn't, you know, as good as even he has been in the other matches of the week. Uh, but yeah, overall, after winning the first set um, and also then Raonic, you know, with the physical issues. But overall, even considering the other four matches, um just very very good how composed and super focused and even in moments where he wasn't as flawless as you know maybe in january but still has played uh, good enough to to just i would say easily winning the tournament yeah despite you know the final for example has been tough to setters but you know nothing really um you know never really close to to lose in any of these matches 
Yeah, two set points against Raonic, that was pretty vital for sure. Uh, the one against Monfils, I fully agree with that. Like, there was no, absolutely no way that Monfils was beating him. That, that's kind of how I felt. Because you, he couldn't out-hit him. He couldn't outlast him. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there was just real, real tough. It was just real tough to see a path to victory for Gael. But as a whole, like, isn't this how he won the Australian Open as well, in a way? Like, not peeking out of his mind, but just being, you know, yeah, doing enough exactly. on every single day, like kinda, yeah. This this has been kinda it, and this I guess is different to his 2023, to his late finish to 2023, where it kind of felt for us like this level is, yeah, this is this is like the Yannick Sinner at his absolute best. This is probably unsustainable in the long run. This is not Rotterdam Australian Open. What he showed in these events, it's not unsustainable. And yeah, I mean Yannick right now, uh, obviously a big lead over everyone else in the race rankings. And he gets to number three as well, right? Over over Daniel mm-hmm. Medvedev. We'll see. I mean, he gets he has some points to defend at the Sunshine Double. So does Carlos Alcaraz. It's definitely quite open for him to potentially attack the number two position. Uh, do you sort of agree with me that actually, uh, sort of regardless of if it's good for him or not, the key thing for Yannick Sinner going sort of this year in terms of you know, whether he can be number one and etc., it will be the clay season. Because this is where he yeah. defends like zero points from yeah. last year after the that's where, that's where was I what I was about to say because you were mentioning about the points to defending the sunshine double, and and I was uh, about to tell you if we consider uh, the safe points after the French Open, Sinner is number two, and that means uh, you know number two and actually. Uh, is even not as far as uh, you know from from Djokovic at number one. So basically, it means considering that he has a lot of points to defend in Sunshine Double and even Monte Carlo, let's say, because he was in the semifinals. But then Madrid, Rome uh, will be, for example, two key events. Also, the French Open, of course. Uh, yeah, these three big tournaments will be very much a key uh, for him. I mean, also the other will be important because it's a very tight race and, you know, uh, everybody needs to to keep going at his best. You know, even Medvedev, you know, still very good result. Yeah, no titles, but still he has been picking points uh, very consistently lately because, you know, of the Australian Open final and the other finals he reached and, and still he has been surpassed. So nobody can... Uh, can really let himself, uh, you know, slow down just a little bit if in terms of, you know, just ranking goals. Because then, you know, if we consider number three, number four, I mean, yeah, it matters because if there's a, with, a withdrawal in, in a slam, then you can be number two seed. But overall, it's it's not that much a big difference. It's maybe more for Sinner because we are talking about best career ranking. Uh, but yeah, in that race to number one, of course, the clay season will be will be very important. Yeah, um, as you said, I mean, number three, number four, it actually isn't that big a deal usually. So um, yeah, I don't. I'm also not really looking at it as like a big storyline whether Medvedev, as Gene is no. saying here. Yeah, I mean, Medvedev can take it back after Dubai. Sinner not playing until Indian Wells, but yeah, I'm I mean, also, yeah, Italy, I'm, just, I'm just not looking at it too much. In Italy, we we just made a, a kind of a big story then, but just because he's now surpassed all the other uh, players. Yeah, because were, he surpassed Panata. And number yeah, four. Panata and also the women. There were, you know, ah, uh, yeah, there was okay. Schiavone and number four mm-hmm. also. Schiavone, and, yeah. you know, um, yeah, but, you know, just a, st- a statistical data, you know, when you are so high in the ranking, yeah, of course, it's 
one step you know forward because when it best ranking you can be number three number two and everything matters but at, at this point it's more like will he be number one or not because even number yeah. three number four in a slam until the semis you will be fine in terms of you know this top four uh ranking opposition and i feel like it's kind kind of enough you know to be number four if you want to have nice draws in even in the big events yeah, I agree. And um, as I said earlier, Sinner not playing until Indian Wells, Medvedev playing in yep. Dubai. Daniel still with a lot to defend, though, because as you said, he earned a lot of points back at the Australian Open. However, 500 in Rotterdam, gone. 250 in Doha, gone. So it's basically just 500 in Dubai now, 600 yeah. at Indian Wells, 1,000 at Miami. So still 1,000 in Rome as well, which is yeah, like for exactly. Medvedev, it's not a guarantee that this is going to happen. I think Sinner... Last year on clay, I'm uh, just guessing, won probably like 600, 700 points. He can definitely get to like a thousand, but um, yeah, anything he do, he does like off, uh, over a thousand, let's say on clay. Yeah, would let's be say a that, massive help. Uh, you know, if we if we consider just a little bit of a bigger picture for Medvedev when we talk about the 1,000 in Rome, let's say that this year it's kind of reasonable for him because then French Open no points because first round Ross. Yeah. So if we make, you know, one 1,000 in total, maybe, if, I don't want to say in total, but even if he gets two solid results, he still will be able to more or less defend those those points. But yeah, still, it was a big storyline last year, that title in Rome, which curiously, it's still his last one, you know, despite all the hardcore tennis that, that we had. It's, it's a bit weird. Yeah, last year essentially all of them did well at the uh, at the Sunshine Double. All of them that played, yeah. not counting Djokovic, and uh, clay season. Yeah, there's definitely a lot to gain for, for there for Sinner. We'll sort of find out whether he can do it. And um, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else to talk about when it comes to Sinner. However, yeah, Alex de Minor, did this performance in the final sort of give you confidence that you know maybe in the future he won't be a Gal Monfils to Novak Djokovic, a David Ferrer to Roger Federer, but he will actually pick up some wins because this was actually their best match probably i know i know demeanor took a set in sofia but this still mm. felt like you know it was really back and forth the slow courts actually maybe not hurting alex as much as i thought and well this definitely was much better than the davis cup finals where like oh, demon just tried to be sort of inventive tried to be aggressive and it was all just a total fail here he was actually pushing sinners so hard from start to finish so i feel like this is still a big positive as well for him yeah, I, I actually feel that um, even if Deminor is, uh, you know, that kind of a player who usually prefers the quickest conditions because his game can be more, you know, effective in general. But uh, in some way, for the way Sinner can hit the ball, I I, I kind of started feeling that uh, if it's not that quick, then Deminor has a better chance against Sinner because Sinner can be... You know, for example, in in Rotterdam was a bit tougher for for Sinner to, um, you know, to, to push against the wall uh, that that the Minor raised defended the court really well in some moment. Also attacked well when he needed to, but without you know rushing, just playing. He, he was basically the Minor playing his game. You know, at, at a very good level. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I may see one day Deminor winning one match against Sinner. Uh, of course, it, it will be a very, very tough matchup because Sinner can, can also be, uh, 
you know, especially right now, we can also be solid when he needs to. Uh, he has added also, as we, we, you know, we are seeing for four months right now, he has added a bit of uh, variation. At times, he comes to the net a little bit more often. Um, and maybe, you know, he can try to, you know, successfully to get over to uh, to the minors, you know, baseline game, which is, you know, rightfully annoys a lot of players. Um, it will be difficult for them, you know, that's for sure. But if I have to think about one match, especially if they play so many times as they are doing, uh, you know, probably sooner or later, once will be will be his one, maybe on the grass, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, um, when when I think of like the quality gap between Monfils and Djokovic, it's actually pretty similar <laughs> to I think Sinner yeah. Deminor. But then again, Gael had his chances. Maybe Gael had an even tougher matchup. I mean, it's tough to say. Yeah, I mean, on the slow courts, as you said, maybe this is a little better for Deminor in terms of the defense, the grinding. But that's when the big improvements of Sinner in the last few months sort of come yeah. in. The, the way he can now uh, close off the net, the way he can get so much out of his surf. Gene is also talking about this in the chat and great stat actually about just five more points won by Sinner in that final over Demon, which kind of shows you how tough it was despite being, well, 7-5-6-4, which maybe doesn't fully paint the picture of mm. how much of a nightmare that actually was for Yannick to get through it in straights. To Obviously, it was a big win for him to do it so uh, well. I don't want to say comfortably, but to do it in straights because Demon yeah. was definitely pushing him the hardest that he's ever been in this rivalry. Um, yeah, also, anything... Uh, well, probably we should mention Talon Griegsport from Rotterdam as well, as this is just yet <laughs> another big Rotterdam run. And honestly, he's kind of been like this all year, when like at the Australian Open, he's not playing too well. He gets like out-hit, he gets totally blown off the court by Safiurin for two sets and a half, and then he comes back, and he manages to just fight his way towards the end of the, the match. And then against Fizz, he's also like winning a physical battle more so than actually playing well. He obviously gets demolished by Kazo in the third round. So I wasn't really impressed with Talon Griegsport's level the entire year so far, the entire year so far, which is just a month and a half. But then he comes in. Yeah. He also is really struggling against Musetti. I think he did play himself into form. Obviously, Sinner then came in, and Sinner also has been a very tough matchup for him, which I think mostly is the quality gap, actually. Like, I don't think yeah. it's really any matchup thing. But um, as a whole, I mean, definitely uh, we need to say that this uh, venue at Rotterdam tends to bring out the best from Talon. Five top, top 20 wins in his career. Uh, uh, sorry, 10, 10 top 20 10, wins 10, in his 10. career. Five at Rotterdam. That's what I was trying to say. And, of course, two uh, top 10 as well. And now one of them is uh, in Rotterdam as well against Hubert Hurkacz. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I still thought that Australian Open could have been s some good indication for him as, as a player in terms that, you know, despite not being convincing at all, uh, I mean, at all, but not being really convincing, but still, you know, left in the tournament with two wins, uh, you know, for a player of, of his status, it's still quite a good result, despite, you know, the tough match in the third round, which, of course, was not... Uh, had, like, one of know, the toughest ideal. draws as well, right? We need to remember yeah, about also, that, because, also, like, Safiolin feels in the first round. So, I mean, overall, yeah, the level was, was not very high, but the campaign, you know, overall was not that bad. Um, and yeah, of course, bringing in Rotterdam, you know, for, I, I, I really watched that, that first round match, and I was a bit doubtful, you know, it was a bit of an escape for him and 
um, also you know c- considering how you know Musetti is doing right now uh, I, I wasn't still I, I wasn't impressed yeah of, of course yeah. but then you know maybe he also needed that one win you know at times uh, you you entered the court as you you were last year semi-finalist you're playing again, again in Rotterdam probably with more pressure than than you did in the previous years um, you you are not playing well because it can happen and finding a way to win and then yeah went on to to a very very good week uh, once again yeah for the match against Sinner I I agree with you you know I, I feel like in terms of the game um Potentially, uh, Griegsburg can have the game plan, you know, in mind what to do to to try to 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 put Sinner in a difficult situation. But the quality gap means that you know it's difficult that this happens. So yeah, I feel more that you know it's not, you know, Sinner Deminor. Maybe it's it's more also about the matchup. Probably Griegsburg is um, player with a bit more. Um, also a bit more vertical. I feel like he he could do something you know uncomfortable for Sinner, but uh, not with the quality Sinner you know has right now and since last year. So it's it was difficult to imagine an upset in the semi. So overall, a very good and positive week. Yeah, it was difficult to imagine an upset in any Sinner match this week, but yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Just Greek sport, uh, definitely one of these players who uh, truly brings out his best at home. Obviously, he's won the uh, Hertogenbosch title last year as well as the second yep. uh, Dutchman in a row. Anyway, um, anything else from Rotterdam? We basically had Raonic with a quarterfinal run. I guess he kind of deserves a mention. Yeah, because, absolutely. well, once again, he shows he has the quality, but I don't know if his body is going to hold up. And that's like in the main story he retired at the Australian Open as well against Alex Deminor after playing a very yes. nice couple of sets so I guess that's mostly it we also had Grigor Dimitrov Andrei Rublev with solid runs I guess that's the players that were sort of like exactly what we expected from yes them. exactly nothing nothing less nothing more uh, yeah mm, yeah basically nothing really to say because it, they, these are uh, you know both Rublev and and Dimitrov, two players that could have done maybe even better, but still a, lo- a loss to Deminor. Uh, you know, you may think about that. So, you know, nothing really to, in my opinion, to 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 judge. If not that, um, yeah, no, anything, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, maybe one more Deminor question. One match uh-huh. away, uh, was one match away from re-entering the top 10. Oh, yeah, so that's a big that one. That was kind of kind of a story for him but yeah it didn't happen and also for the for the one-handers right because he could have saved the the future of one-handers yeah 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 Yeah, it's it's the first week since the atp rankings were introduced when we won't have a one-hander in the top 10 and Tsitsipas fell out fritz actually overtook him but dimitrov could have been there if he won rotterdam so Basically, Dimitrov was trying to save one-handers and he didn't. But yeah, maybe one more thing about Deminor, because recently um, a friend of mine sort of after the Austrian Open, he posed this question, maybe not the question, but like posed this opinion on a a group chat. And he was like, like, congratulations to Deminor for like truly maximizing his potential. And like, you know, this guy really like basically didn't have any ability to be in the top 10, but he's there now. And I like very actively disagreed with this. Like to me, yeah, he he's actually very talented, and he, the, the yeah, way he what he's good. doing right now is just 
you know, the expected thing. Like if he goes further from here, sure. But like right now, being, you know, top 10, 9, 8, winning 500s, making finals of 500s, making a final in a 1000, like that's something you kind of expect from Alex yeah, Daniel. Honestly, such a... I agree because he can serve yeah. well, he can, he can play well, you know, if we... Uh, you know, both on grass and on the hardcore, so he can grab points mm, on both surface really, really well. And also, as... it's not that horrible on clay. Not that horrible on clay. No, 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 I'm not that horrible. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, that's that's right. But because you know, he has very good manuality. Uh, he defends the court very, very well. I mean, these are also qualities, you know. Uh, yeah. it, it's not like quality is just you know blasting the forehand as as hard as you. Uh, you know, as ever. Um, so yeah, I, I I'm not really surprised to see the nine next next to to yeah. his game. You know, if I think, even if I make a comparison, you know, Deminor, Taylor Fritz, you know, uh, Fritz is another Same player. Caliber. Like, yeah, exactly. Uh, that was I was about to say. Mm, you know, two players who I kind of consider you know similar in terms of the prospect even with different style you know um so yeah. I, i'm not probably slightly easier for fritz to win a big title like he did in indian world yeah even going yeah forward. that's for sure but um uh, but yeah. but yeah in terms of the ranking you know for the way the ranking mm -hmm. plays out you know uh, I mean, Taylor did get to number, did got to number, uh, get to number five. But, but yeah, I mean, of course, you you can find a lot of examples. Yeah, uh, definitely, like something that brings out brings people to say this is probably sort of the hard work aspect of both the Miner's game and sort of how he's improved over the years. But it's definitely done on like a foundation of of just simply talent. And um, yeah, I, I do really like how he's developed over the years, especially of yeah, course. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the talented. Uh, you know, that can mean a lot of should, things. I know. Should, of course, and people should just think that uh, you know he was basically number sixteen, eighteen at twenty, twenty-one already. Exactly. So exactly. you know, it's not like he's you know going out of nowhere to number nine, ten. You know, so I'm not really surprised to see him having a push. To, to the top 10. I think this is one of the biggest arguments as well. Yeah, how sort of stable he's been in the top 30 since he was so young. Yeah, basically always there and never really in danger to fall out because, I mean, he just has such a solid base level as well. Anyway, um, let's get to maybe, well, we have the Buenos Aires uh, things in the title, so may, let's maybe get there. Apparently, Delray mm. Beach was just didn't happen this week, you know? John decided not to pull it in the title. <laughs> Until today, yeah. we didn't have a single watch along. <laughs> Although we did have content from Delray Beach, uh, of course, courtesy of Miles. So we kind of acknowledged yeah. that it happened and we did have that watch along with Vanch from the final. But anyway, yeah, let's start with Buenos Aires where Facundo Diaz Acosta as a wild card picks up the title. And he's actually yeah. also our Jakub Bobro player of the week. So when it comes to that, uh, we aren't really like focusing fully on that outside the top 100 thing. We're sort of just like, yeah, player who wasn't really that yeah, well-known yeah. to the general public, did something incredible. And Facundo Diaz Acosta did something incredible, didn't he? Yeah, um, absolutely. Started the year, the year already, you know, talking about, you know, his presence at the big stage with that first round at the Australian Open when he actually came close to, quite close to, you know, to, to win that match against Taylor Fritz, who then went on to reach the quarter. You know, was a match played in some circumstances also. Um, but yeah, people, let's say, calling general public probably, you know, 
uh, also had the chance to to know him a little bit better uh, at the Australian Open. And then having you know run title, it's um, great. You know we we are quite used to in this year to to see this uh, this tournament uh, in in South America to bring out some some storyline like this. And um, yeah, Diaz Acosta really has been you know. Um, consistent that you know that uh, around the 100 level in terms of the ranking for 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 a while now uh, since the end of last year he was he was pushing this wall um, yeah overall very 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 good week because also yesterday I I was also a bit impressed um, Jari didn't didn't play amazing but the way you know the composure that Diaz Acosta had especially at the beginning um, the first set he played very 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 well um, you know you you may head up that probably you know between the two uh, the, the most pressure probably would have been felt by by the Argentinian at home first ATP tour you know 2050 final uh 250 finals sorry um but yeah played great as as he did the, the whole week and the second uh argentinian champion since 2009 there after schwarzman in 2021 so yeah for sure very 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 big week for for him and for argentina as well that you know country that needs uh players you know who who wins this title he has some already but you know it's a bit more up and downs for for a lot for 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 some of them too and yeah definitely great and i'm actually very very interesting right now what what happens you know because as we were saying for uh Darderi last week you know some more opportunities uh, are coming he was already top 100 but you know still being Top 60, 59, you know, brings you more opportunities, especially, you know, now that the entry list will be will be open for the the, the tournaments of the clay European season. Yeah, yeah, he has a lot of time until the spring when he starts dropping all of these challenger titles. We'll see when he will be running yeah, exactly. after that. But of course, 250 points now, so it kind of covers like three challenger titles more or less. So, uh, you know, we know that he won't drop out like outside of the top 120 or something, even if he doesn't win a match for the next three months. And uh, basically, yeah, he probably will. I mean, he's definitely shown some hardcore capabilities as well. But yeah, um, this week, I mean, yeah, as you said, the composure, the way that he was able to basically in the final, the first set at least, and then in the semis, like he literally plays his peak stuff. Like this is this is yeah. his game. This is literally what he wants to do. Uh, you know, superb defender, but at the same time also what a forehand and also how he was serving against Jari, just constantly putting pressure on that out wide on the outside, especially. Like it's it's just really the definitive version of his game in the most important matches of his life, which is so important and so uh, sort of uh, impressive as well. Uh, as he said, the crowd support in Argentina is always amazing and the uh, final definitely got nervy for him which is fully understandable it's kind of like the position that Jari was in in Santiago last year when he was like yeah, clearly very wobbly near the finish line like almost all of his matches in Santiago in the difference I guess for Diaz Acosta was that he actually won everything in straights like nothing yeah really totally. came to, exactly yeah nothing was that close but it's still a very impressive set of wins we've got two sort of semi-random winners so far in the golden swing which this this part of the season is a little known for 
honestly, like Rio is literally the same field like Buenos Aires. So maybe we're going to get more of that. Yeah, yeah. Even if, uh, I mean, but, Buenos uh, Aires is, uh, you know, if mm -hmm. we have a look at, uh, let's say, the, the, the golden book, you know, the previous winners, he, he, it was, you know, usually a tournament where the, the good players, the, the good, the top players, sorry, everyone is good. But yeah, because the um, top players were showing up. You know? Cordoba usually um, is like a weaker field, right? And Buenos yeah, Aires, exactly. the, the players that play in Rio are already in Buenos Aires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, um, last year's you didn't have anyone sort of like Diaz Acosta coming out from, let's say, around the 100-ish ranking uh, to win a title. Yeah, it was mostly Cordoba with like Serundolo and, of course, uh, Juan Ignacio Londero. Never yes, forget. <laughs> Lest we forget Juan Ignacio Londero, who is kind of trying to be forgotten, but at, at the same time, he hasn't been healthy. Um, yeah, and uh, with Diaz Acosta, I guess that's maybe more or less it. Let's talk about uh, Carlos Alcaraz, maybe actually. Let's do it backwards. Let's start with Carlos Alcaraz and then go to Nicolas Jari. Because, of course, Carlos Alcaraz was the big favorite for this title. Sort of a few contenders go out early. Cameron Nori. Well, he was he went deep last year. He was in the final, but was he actually yeah, a threat to Alcaraz who who, was, who would be healthy? I don't know. But anyway, like that was still, you know, uh, a thing that told us, okay, so Carlos kinda can't be losing at this event unless it's to Jari or Echeverry, probably. That semifinal looked like yeah. a potential problem. Well, still you expected him to get through though, right? So so it was still a pretty massive upset for Nicolas Jari, even if in 2023 he pushed him on two different occasions. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was thinking even more to, to Jari because, of course, the two matches last year, but also I thought, like, you know, he... Um, uh, of course, you know, showed to, to have those those weapons to, to hurt Alcaraz in some moments. Um, and... Yeah, of course the the performance hasn't been unforgettable mm, the the whole week. Uh, yeah, especially the the first set tiebreak. Uh, in the second set, Jari played very 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 well. Um, overall, yeah, I thought that you know he of course the the pressure was on him to 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 win the title, considering you know the the whole field he was. For sure, clearly the the best player, considering um, you know the, the quality and the, the way he can, he can play tennis. Mm, you know, a loss to to Jari is still something that um, can happen, but still showed us that Alcaraz is not you know um, already you know one hundred percent or even close to it. That's for sure, um, and yeah. Uh, in it's you know something that it's been um, recurring even if uh, in the end of last year Turin he played well uh, even if he lost to to Djokovic Australian Open with that performance is the quarterfinal uh, against Zverev Bastille it's you know still a loss against um, a very very top and established player um, let's see what he's going to do in Rio for sure he's going to have these chances let's say that uh, it's been yeah, if he manages to to win in Rio, then in the end he will be he will be fine and probably even better than last year because last year he did the opposite. And we know that despite you know being basically the same field this two week, but uh, there's a big difference is that that Rio you know gives you five five hundred points and Buenos Aires half of them. So 
yeah, it's it's not been a good a good week for him. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of thinking he has to win one of these to call it a, a successful swing, right? Like, yeah, if you're someone like Carlos Alcaraz, you're the number two, you're the number two player in the world. You go to a part of the season which, well, first of all, you like the conditions in, but also no other top players travel to, which basically yeah. we don't see now on the women's side because they didn't allow, they they don't allow them to play to fifties now. But like on the men's side, it's also fairly rare. Like Medvedev, for the most part, Sinner, for the most part, they will they will have a yeah. lot stronger opposition in most events than Alcaraz will in Rio or Buenos Aires. And then he goes there, and like if he doesn't pick up any tit- either title, also yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, also taking into consideration the fact that from Wimbledon onwards he hasn't done it. It maybe it's not that big no, a deal, you I, know. But I, still, for a player of his stature, yeah, like he he kind of needs to pick up a title in in, yeah, the, in Rio we, to get. We back can even track. argue that in Rio, you know, for example, Echeverri, who is uh, you know a top thirty player, is not going to be to be there. So you know, there's even you know one less of this, let's say you know top mm-hmm. fifty players in in the draw. So yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. Of course, you know, it feels like. He chooses to go there, and you know, one of these two titles, he should be able to uh, to take it. Yeah, mm, that's for sure. Even last year, you know, he didn't. He, he was not as flawless, even in some some score lines. You know, some matches he was dropping the serve a bit, uh, but still managed to you know win uh, the, the title in Buenos Aires and actually you know being very very close to to win also in Rio. So I I agree that right now the feeling is that he has to uh, to to win this title in Rio to call it for sure a successful swing. That's for sure. Yeah, um, as you said, like this was a bit of a week where Carlos plays his B game and keeps going forward. And then against Jari, it was like two questions, like whether he actually will be able to step up if needed, and if it will be needed, like if actually yeah, exactly. Jari will push him that hard, and he did. At the first set tiebreak, you also mentioned that absolutely atrocious, horrible stuff. I think probably, despite well, having been mm-hmm. the closest player, you know, in the first set to mm, to break, and you know, at the beginning, first four games, he didn't drop a single point. Yeah, and, but then know, going was... forwards, was there any chances? Yeah, I don't but... even know if there was a break point, honestly, in the entire set, right? I don't know. First set for me, it was still feeling maybe today is going to be a, a, a bit better than the last okay. two, you know, the first two matches. That was my feeling. Uh, I, I think that's fair. And it was, to in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's uh, fair because against Vavasori, he was clearly the word, the you know, the second best player on the court uh, in the first twelve games. So yeah. um, I guess that's fair comparing to the previous two matches. Yeah. I mean, but then that like was that, that tiebreak mm-hmm. and. And then you know Jari stepped up a bit, and Alcaraz didn't. Uh, yeah, in the I mean a, a tiebreak like this can happen, right? But like he breaks instantly in the second set. He doesn't follow through with it really. That was also pretty painful for him, I think. And eventually, yeah, uh, yeah as you said, I mean some of the games uh, with Jari, I definitely leave this week sort of thinking more about Jari's um, mobility and like raw speed, as you know, that just sort of having them, um, you know, higher respect for them. Because honestly, sometimes he was even scrambling around the court really well. And also like some of the inventiveness, the creativity that he showed in the second set as well. Second set, last few games were definitely just an awesome, awesome Jari performance. And I 
also stressed this on the Alcaraz Jari watch along that like I don't really want to be talking you know at the end of the match only about the first set tiebreak no, only no, about no, how no. Alcaraz blew it because first and foremost Nicolas Jari won this match because he's an awesome tennis player. Obviously, yeah, let's talk about briefly about him. I mean, in the final, what sort of happened to him? Um, the the, <laughs> consist- the consistency on the backhand wing that was there against Alcaraz, like totally gone. The returning against the left-handed yeah. Diaz Acosta, absolutely gone. Like most of the time he was so far out of the court. Obviously, that's partially due to the spot serving of Faku. But then again, like just not doing enough with the return or just blowing it completely. A few random errors when he had the chance to... Um, to return to the match in the second set. So I guess a bit of a final to forget, but since it's yeah, a final, yeah, you di- can't a really disappointed, uh, A disappointing, you know, final, because, you know, we always think that it's, it's difficult to, um, you know, follow up this very, very big win that you get. But for Jari, you know, I thought it was not going to be um, an issue, and probably it hasn't, because of, you know, he got, the experience and also you know it it's not as groundbreaking that... for him right i mean yeah, he's and 8 and 11 not... against the top 10 it's not like exactly. as groundbreaking for and him. he has now top five wins on clay on hard on grass all since <laughs> you know uh so uh and actually it was are they both then, against Tsitsipas, no. the other two or... <laughs> yeah and one against Rude, <laughs> but we will take the stat and <laughs> i guess Rude as well okay yeah right i forget about Rude. yeah uh, yeah uh, but that's uh, clay right Rude isn't clay though wasn't clay ah but in geneva, <laughs> in geneva. so hard and grass are against Tsitsipas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In okay. Geneva, which is basically Jarry's surface, Geneva. Yeah, play. I mean, I'll teach you. But yeah, talking. Um, yeah, and also it was not even a three hour match, something like that, that you may feel like, okay, we probably will be gassed tomorrow. Uh, basically, play, didn't play a good match. And on the other hand, you know, to recognize that Diaz Acosta played very, very well. And he had some opportunities in the second set and didn't take it. Overall, still, uh, still a good week, of course. Maybe it may look a bit of a, you know, uh, a chance not taken, given the fact that he got the, the very big win and then, you know, didn't follow up with, you know, winning in the final. But in the end, I, I feel like he can still, you know, take the fact that he got the chance to to, be, to beat Alcaraz, even if maybe he was not even doing, playing at 100% or something like that. But still, you know, as you mentioned, Jari played incredible tennis and especially in the end. So I think I, I, he will take this great performance from this week. And yeah, bring on to, bring on to, to the next ones. Now... Yeah, there's there's the tournament in Rio, and I actually didn't check the draw. I don't know if he's on the other side of, uh, you know. Jari could meet him in the final. Yeah, and so he, he, it's a good draw because you know it's not a two fifty. If five hundred, if you reach the final, you know the points are uh, are more points gained, and you know you basically will defend your title got in in Santiago, even if you may you, you know not fail to uh, to defend it so yeah solid results and very good week he's shown us to you know to be an, as you said a awesome player that's right 
Um, yeah, and let's talk about Delray Beach as well, which was the event that didn't happen, apparently. The event that for a while this week we didn't have any water. Yeah, and also, or... I don't know if we have <laughs> so many, many storylines, you know? Um, there are. But... I, I kind of agree no. with you, yeah. Like, that's why I today was like, uh, Vansh was, um, you know, trying to convince me to do the watch along for that final. And I was like, <laughs> there's no narrative there. I'm, I'm, I'm not invested in it whatsoever. It's like the US National Championships. And I would actually enjoy the U.S. national championships. I loved all the national championships. But when they're sort of like in disguise and uh, I don't know. I mean, Tommy, Paul, Taylor, Fritz, you know, if they ever sort of transcend to winning big titles or like threatening for big titles consistently, it will not be because of this final is what I said to Vansh. However, you know, I did kind of enjoy it. And after all, Taylor Fritz defends his title, doesn't even drop a set. Um, yeah, what's the what's the story? Yeah, here? actually, you know, my bi- my biggest storyline is that it's the first time he's not losing set to win an ITP title. <laughs> uh, okay. Just you know, uh, curiously, but you know, also it. Um, yeah, I mean, Tommy Paul still very very good week because he followed up, you know, the uh, the title in Dallas with another final. So let's say capitalizing this two week in conditions that he likes. So um, that's also big. Probably, you know, there's, um, yeah, I, I mean, basically, you know, even if we think about the other, uh, let's say, top 20 players, there, there was Tiafo, but was Tiafo right now a, a threat? And, you know, the semifinal between him and Paul really showed it. Um, so... Yeah, basically, I I feel like the 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 biggest story is just the solid week that uh, these two players had, which is going to be good in you know for them, of course for Fritz because he won a title, and Paul still won a title last week and reached another final. If we compare to last year, in this in these two tournaments, didn't really capitalize. So yeah, considering. That he he didn't defend the the points from the semi final at the Australian Open, picking these points here and there, it's for sure good for him, especially because he was in the last act in Acapulco. Um, so he's let's say saved his ranking also. Um, but yeah, last week was a bit more of a storyline because there was you know Giron uh, seeking for the first title. Paul was not winning a title in a long time. This week was different because it would have been another title in a second straight yeah. week. So Back-to-back yeah. back weeks, right? That would have been pretty yeah. huge. And... So yeah. I, I agree with you, honestly. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, as you said, Francis Tiafoe might actually be a pretty big story that like he mm. did look okay for a few matches and then both against Giron and Paul just absolutely like nothing performances and well, that's actually quite big. And yeah, today I watched the final after not watching too much of Delray Beach at all this week. Like Buenos Aires was just so much more interesting to me and, and uh, Rotterdam as well, of course, and the challengers. But um, when when talking about the final, yeah, I actually did kind of enjoy sitting here on Talking Tennis with Vansh watching it. There was definitely a lot of wind that um, made the quality go down quite a lot. However, yeah. um, after Tommy Paul sort of got himself back into the match in the second set, it was just like a Diaz Acosta Jari sort of, where like he generated a lot of break points, actually both sets, because he also had a break back when it was still one break in the first set, low 40. He shanked like a, you know, very, sort yeah. of, well, not, not really a put away, but like a very uh, forehand, which he easily could have finished off. 
And also, of course, after that, there's a lot of opportunities in the second set. He misses all these second serve. Yeah, returns. maybe not ideal for a player who eats uh, this this flat. Also, uh, these windy conditions for Fritz are more. Fritz can can be you know can play safer uh, with you know at least you know talking about trajectory. Uh, not that Paul is a player that you know uh, puts too many risks but you know that way of eating the ball can be in my opinion blown away more easily than than Fritz you know Fritz shots yeah I mean Tommy to win we talked about this with Vansh today he kind of needs to be at like his very best sort of focus level and like precision because yeah it's it's kind of hard for him to win points otherwise and um, especially maybe the win sort of was harder for him as well than than Fritz to handle because of that, because Fritz just has something very sort of sharp, yeah. easy to rely on from, from both wings really these days. Of course, that's been part yeah, of his yeah, improvement. Yeah, and also the defensive scrambling has to be pointed out from Taylor to get that break in the second set. That was a great point. And of course, as overall, uh, over the course of his career, the athleticism, the movement, this is something that has improved for him so, so much. Yeah, um, I mean, I think I'm taking <laughs> that I, I watched the, the world match between Paul and Mikkelsen this week in Delray. Oh, yeah, was was probably was the best one, one in Delray, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a very good one um, because... Yeah, Paul started not feeling very well, but then his level raised a lot, and Mikkelsen played played very very well. Um, so yeah, a player you know I kind of watched and and not also because you know even when we talk about uh, challengers, I follow more closely the ones in my time zone. Um, usually, you know the American challengers, I honestly struggle okay. <laughs> uh, to to. To follow at night matches so you know a, a young player that i i enjoyed watching and you know comparing to the player we also watched at the um, the next gen final where he he played his tennis but uh, you know losing um all the matches but this year i've seen something really really good for him so yeah it was 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 a good match interesting to watch um yeah. so just I mean, to you know <laughs> No, no, absolutely. No, I mean, Alex Mikkelsen definitely deserves a lot of credit. I honestly kind of forget about that because I've, I've said it like, you know, I've been talking about yeah, this I mean. a lot of the time this year. And and that's how, that's why I kind of forget because right now this is like, yeah, okay. I mean, Mikkelsen has another good performance, <laughs> sure. But uh, obviously, if you sort of go backwards, as he said, to the next-gen finals, this is like a different player sort of. Yeah, the, the yeah, disappointing, slightly disappointing performance that he had in Jeddah where we were sort of expecting him to be more of a threat and we were thinking, you know, whether, yeah, he's going to be able to take that form from the American challengers, from the different fields that we get there against the other sort of peers, against the most talented peers. And he actually now is able to do that. So, yeah, um, I mean, if we just talk about the level, I'll be honest that he should have won that match. Uh, Something played out, you know, Paul was um, a bit better, you know, in these big moments. Maybe for sure he will figure out you know, also with, you know, more experience. Uh, but yeah, level-wise was was great. And who knows, maybe he wins that match and suddenly has a great run in, in Derry Beach. Who knows? Yeah. And uh, for the last 10 minutes, maybe we can just, you know, briefly, as usual, yeah. uh, talk about the events of next week. The 500 is, of course, the Rio, in Rio de Janeiro. We're going to get some content from that because I think John has finally uh, gotten the, the accreditation there as well. 
I don't know uh, from which day he's going to be there. Um, I'm not really sure, but he's definitely Yeah, we have be there. some, we have our first winners in Rio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. France, France, Rundolo beat Francisco Comesania just a second ago, and also Thomas Barisvera beating Gustavo Haida. But yeah, as a whole, this is a very, um, what you what you guys need to know, this is a very similar draw to Buenos Aires. Yeah, Essentially, yeah, yeah, yeah. besides the wild cards, we only have the differences in qualifiers, which I don't think any of the qualifiers made it in Buenos Aires, actually. Although I might be wrong on that. Uh, but anyway, uh, there's also, no. uh, there's also of course, a couple of smaller... Yeah, I mean... Honestly, yeah. it is more or less what I'm I'm expecting from next week in the US when there will be Dallas 500 and Derry Beach 250. You know, more or less a similar story. If you decided to play that swing, you know, next, you, next year, you, yeah, you yeah, go, yeah. you keep going, you know. Um, Somewhat like Los Cabos Acapulco as well, right? But I think that Acapulco actually has a few differences, although it definitely, like what, what, we, what we've been seeing, that if we have a combo like that, the 250 gets a big boost because it literally gets like a yeah, very absolutely. similar, stronger feud. So for Los Cabos, this is an amazing move. We're gonna talk about Los Cabos in a second, but yeah, but yeah, I I, I I understand I understand Buenos Aires Rio. Uh, definitely, like the fields are similar, which is a big opportunity for any any player here, really, because the quality of the draw is the same as in Buenos Aires, but you're just gonna get twice as many points. So um, yeah. yeah, Carlos Alcaraz, who can stop him? We kind of hinted that and uh, hinted at that in Buenos Aires, but is it really yeah. just like Jari or Bust? Is it is it is it the same? Like, is it just Jari potentially? Um, uh, sort of with a chance to, to get him. I mean, uh, it will of course depend on the level. <laughs> That's for sure. You know, the level of play he will he will show because. Yeah, I mean, um, talking about the players who are in his side of the draw, mm-hmm. um, I mean, if maybe if suddenly buys place out of his mind, <laughs> like US Open, where we watch we watched that first couple of sets. You you may say still was seven five seven five. They were good. They were good. No, I, I agree. They were good. But yet, it, I you know I may see if he plays very well, maybe he can do something. Uh, <sighs> overall, I I don't know. I don't know. Mm, yeah, it's it's difficult uh, to to imagine because, for example, mm, yeah, no, I'm struggling. Sorry, <laughs> I'm really struggling uh, because in normal condition, you know, maybe. Uh, last year, I would have been a bit confident in probably uh, Serundolo to play a solid match. But this year, is he going to do that? Is he going to be there also? I don't know. It's difficult to, to imagine right now. Um... No, no, but I, I agree. I was actually thinking of Fran too. Like, uh, uh, truly picking this play from Fran Serundolo... That would pretty much uh, be possible to me. However, of course, yeah, as you said, he hasn't been too good. Now he beats Comesania in the first round. Was it a fantastic performance? No, but maybe it's a start. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, Jari is the biggest threat. I would love to see a final between Alcaraz and Fis, uh, but I don't think Fis would win oh, it. Well, I would love to see Alcaraz Fonseca as well. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm talking with, like realistic. With Fonseca, here, yeah. with Fonseca winning, you know, his first title oh, here sure. and now. Oh, sure. I mean, I, I would love to see it. Last year he got like, uh, well, yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah. say he got demolished because he was like so nervous and he kind of couldn't play. 
but um basically I, I i would love to see it of course i'm talking like about realistic stuff Fins maybe can get there we'll see i mean he has to play much better than in one side but yeah i mean it looks like jari is basically still the main friend yeah the, the the story is as you said more or less similar to to buenos Aires with the even you know bigger difference that jari for example is opposite side um and yeah, uh, considering the actual form of the players, you know, should be Alcaraz should be safe with a decent level. <laughs> let's let's say like yeah. this. Yeah, uh, Ban, as I think he uh, told me to call him last time, definitely good uh, taste because he's both listening to this, so good taste in tennis podcasts, videos, whatsoever, and also good taste in tennis matches. Uh, Djokovic of Avrinka 2013. Yeah, that's probably the best of the trilogy. my name. <laughs> oh, and also, of course, good taste for names. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the 2250s we have, I have Los Cabos opened up first, so let's just talk about that. And as we already mentioned, this is going to be a new date for Los Cabos. It was previously yeah. in August. Won by Stefanos Tsitsipas, who is also here. He's not the top seed. Alexander Zverev is. But now we get this Mexican double, Los Cabos and Acapulco. Uh -huh. So this is probably going to, as Mario said earlier, sort of improve the fields going forwards, be of major help to the event in Los Cabos. And yeah, um, the yeah, I mean, you've got Ruth, you've got Tsitsipas, Zverev, the minor, by the way, who's also flying yeah, over probably from Yeah, I, probably, I, I'm still trying to open the draw because I'm, I'm having difficulty, but it's, I, I remember watching it that I felt that uh, the upper side looked a bit stronger that, than the, um, you know, Zverev side than Tsitsipas side. I'm checking if I am drunk or I was right. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I was drunk. I don't know. Let's see. Uh, I don't see. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to tell. Um, it's you know, definitely I, more of an event where, like, you have a you have the first four seeds, and they are probably the main. Oh favorites. yes, but you know, if I think, you know, if maybe it's Zverev is not playing at a very good level, and maybe mm -hmm. you know Draper or Safiulin show up yeah. well. You know, uh, that was my take. We will see how Deminor is going to be. He hasn't withdrawn, so he should be there probably. Um, I I don't know if he arrived or if he will go or not uh, after the final in Rotterdam. Uh, but you know, right now, you know, as three four seeds, Deminor kind of looked looks more solid than than Rude. Um, yeah, let's see. Mm, it can be interesting, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have too much to add, honestly. Uh, Draper, if he can be Kokinakis today, that would be a big uh, contender. The minor section looks pretty nice, other than Thompson. Yeah. If Diego Schwartzman doesn't win a match here, then he's done because, like, you're not going to get a better draw. Yeah, um, yeah Ruth Tsitsipas, as we said. Uh, I'm kind of interested to see if Kovacevic maybe can have a big week, but he has to overcome that Holt matchup first, ah. which is, he's actually 0-3 in. However, yeah. he beat Nori in um, Los Cabos, and I sort of feel like the, the way the ball travels through the air in the Mexican conditions is pretty good for him. But um, Sean was also uh, talking, will you be covering Rio matches this week? So when it comes to our sort of plans for watch-alongs, we kind of do, do this on a daily basis. So, like, we look at what we can do, 
and also like what's you know what's the most exciting what we can do in terms of you know the time but i'm assuming that the rio will be the main priority since it's the big event so i'm pretty sure you're gonna get some watch alongs especially as carlos alcaraz is also playing last week i think we did every single match of alcaraz we also did the final so i would assume yeah. that rio is going to be probably more prevalent than Doha and um, Rotter, uh, Doha and Los Cabos. Nick is also there in the chat with his predictions. Serundolo to win Rio. I mean, he's okay. already in the second round, so you're kind of cheating. Yeah, no, so he's, you it, know, it's right now. A, it's still a bold <laughs> performance, so it's fine. Uh, bold performance, bold prediction, so it's fine. The minor to win Los Cabos is kind of bold as well because of the uh, Rotterdam aspect. But yeah, of course, yeah. yeah the, the section looks pretty good for him. Also and, because um, probably mm-hmm. he will have to beat Tsitsipas. <laughs> <laughs> probably uh, if Tsitsipas reaches the final which is yeah you know, I... that, that's an if for now like that that's yeah yeah if. you know I, i'm not i i'm just talking about the the record you know it what's was... the record because i don't even know it's like uh 10 loves 10 10 really it's 10 by yeah. now 10 zero oh wow. oh wow i didn't even know it's 10 by now okay I understand why you mentioned that. I thought it was like maybe 8-1 or something like that. Oh, then, yeah, because they, they even played these clay matches a few times. Yeah, but I, would, I wouldn't have guessed it was like 10 already. Anyway, um, yeah, and Doha, which Nick is pro- predicting Rublev to win there. Very bold of you, first seed. <laughs> no, but Serundol and Deminor are definitely, uh, definitely yeah, bold picks. It's, it's mm-hmm. a week in, you know, usually Rublev should you know does well in these weeks i mean there are the threats um yeah it's kind of hard to see him losing i guess other than maybe shevchenko in the quarter and then you have umber maybe but umber uh, outside of indoors shevchenko is uh the, the first match probably yeah but second round um, oh yeah second round is what i'm tr- but yeah of course for rublev is the first match yeah shevchenko just needs to beat gasquet to to get to him first right yeah, yeah um yeah. like a peking <laughs> or someone like that but yeah rublev kachanov final it might be happening marojan though is a fairly dangerous second round opponent as usual we've got greek sport of course who's coming off that good rotterdam run but yeah, yeah i mean this this know. does look pretty good for rublev not gonna lie yeah yeah if i was going to give predictions i would be more boring than nika i have to say like i would probably just go rublev i would go alcaraz and i don't know who i would go for in Cabos, fact but... we will not do predictions yes for this we, week. we never do so so no has, <laughs> has Medi announced when he's playing next i mean it's not like he sort of announced uh, that he, initially that he wasn't going to play Rotterdam and Doha, so he's kind of yeah. like withdrawing gradually. Yeah, maybe going week by week. You know, but it's probably going to, do, to be Dubai. Like, Indian Wells is basically a given. Dubai, I believe he should be there as well. But basically, yeah, it's, it's not same, like he announced honestly. it right away, right? So, like, he's withdrawing from events step by step. So we can't really tell you that, like, he's announced to play in Dubai. He is on the entry list in Dubai. However, he was also on the entry list in Rotterdam and Doha. In Doha a yeah, moment. So sure. um, it doesn't mean all that much. But um, anyway, he is scheduled for Dubai still. That That's what we can tell you, basically. I think someone else asked a similar question uh, two days ago, and I basically gave them the very same answer because, well... What, yeah, else, what else can you, you know, say? About he didn't it? really say anything loud and clear. So, you know, yeah, we are just like, going week by week. All uh, we know is that he's he wasn't feeling ready yet five days ago. Will he be feeling ready for Dubai? Hopefully. Because yeah, yeah, like I know. He, he ended the Australian Open feeling a little bit of foot discomfort. 
24 hours of tennis. Yeah, you know? of course, that's for sure. So yeah, um, yeah, the classic week week by week situation. When he will be ready, he he will be back. So that's why we cannot say really anything. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's gonna be it then. Uh, thank you guys for. Yeah, a big storyline was also, uh, you know, the injury Echeverri suffered in Buenos Aires was mm. a sad page of the tournament, considering that he will miss uh, quite few tennis because he will uh, yeah. he will miss the World Sunshine Double. But you know, Santiago, he was finalist last year. This week was a big opportunity for him to to gain some points because it's a 500. Um, maybe he won't even go to Houston where he was in the final last year. Who knows when he will be back? It can be tough. Yeah, and um, I, I of course agree with you. Yeah, very missing Indian Wells as well, where he uh, probably could have a good shot to to make a run as well, given that you know it's such a clay court ish hard court. So um, hopefully, yeah, it's um, it's just uh, going to be six weeks and that's it. Uh, which is still pretty huge, actually. But well, yeah. Uh, what can you do at this stage? But yeah, uh, he of course retired in the in the quarterfinals against Nicolas Jari. Again, thank you guys uh, for the comments, questions, and thank you for listening to us for an hour. While some some of you while watching Favrinka uh, Djokovic, some of you maybe maybe while watching us, some of you maybe while watching um, tennis from Rio. Still, Farias and Ramos currently playing. Soon enough, Delian and Nori on the court. So definitely a lot yeah. to look forward to. And um, yeah, we're going to be back for some other uh, other watch-alongs. As, as Sean was asking about the Rio things, we're definitely going to have some uh, content for you coming. John is going to be in Rio on some days. I don't know which, but he's also going to be bringing some content in uh, your way. Uh, we also have Shihai in Dubai, I th- in Dubai, I think. I don't know if he's actually um, also going to be supplying the channel with something. I, I, I'm not sure. But anyway, we definitely have He's a lot of there. <laughs> the last month or so. And Shihai is definitely there. Yes, that, that's all I know. Uh, anyway, peace Same. out. Same. I don't know um, anything else. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Mario. And uh, see you guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.